chapter 5 tonight, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians number 5 this evening. As we continue in this series, The Spirit-Controlled Life. Uh, Tonight, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Galatians chapter number 5, look with me at verse 22 and 23. Let's read this out loud together. Verse 22, ready, set, go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's been said that no act of kindness, regardless of how small, is ever wasted. Now think about that. No act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. It's also been said that kindness, it costs nothing, but it means everything. It costs nothing, but it means everything. Kindness is a gift that everyone can afford to give. Wherever there is a human being, there is an opportunity to be kind. What is kindness? What is kindness? Someone said kindness is spreading sunshine into someone's life despite the weather. The dictionary defines kindness as of a good or benevolent nature or disposition, helpful, considerate. It's the way our dictionary defines this word kindness. We know from the Apostle Paul that genuine kindness involves tenderness and forgiveness. If you look in Ephesians 4, we remember this verse well, verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The Greek word translated kindness or gentleness, maybe in some of your translations, is the word krestates, and it means moral excellence in character or demeanor. Moral excellence in character or demeanor. So we understand that this word kindness goes a little bit deeper uh, than just what we may think. The best way to get an idea of the kindness that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is to look at what Jesus said. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles from Galatians 5. Go to Matthew 25. Take your Bible and go to Matthew 25 with me as we seek to understand kindness from the Bible. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 and find verse 31 and let's read this together. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the least brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, according uh, accursed ones, and to the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now I want you to mark this down about what Matthew 25, what Jesus has just defined for us, is that kindness is a mark of a genuine believer. Kindness is a mark of a genuine believer. How did Jesus distinguish sheep from the goats, from the way they treat other people? You see, the tree shall be known by its fruits, Jesus said. And I hope as we've gone about this series, The Spirit-Controlled Life, you've seen the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself in your life. You've seen these things in your faith journey, that you have seen growth and maturity in these things. Jesus in our text distinguishes the genuine from the fake, the believer from the unbeliever, by the way they treat other people. It's important to note, he's not making sheep into goats. He is dividing as he sees them. He is dividing them as he sees them. See, believers of Christ will have the life of Christ in them. Is that true? Yeah, it is. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. So we have the life of Christ within us. And so if the life of Christ is within us, then we will bear the fruit of the Spirit and it will show out in our lives. And in particular, the subject of this evening, it will show out in this area of kindness toward other people. Jesus in our text is by no means making a theological statement about salvation by the acts of kindness. We're not saved by good works. Is that a true statement? We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. However, true faith, when somebody believes in Christ, it shows by the fruit that manifests itself in their lives. You see, we will know the tree by fruit. We will know if somebody is genuinely a Christian by their kind actions or to take it a step further and deeper, as is the meaning here in the New Testament by their moral excellence. I will know you're my sheep, Jesus says, by your moral excellence, by your kindness. James, the half-brother of Christ, said this. He said, true faith can be seen. In James chapter 2, 14 through 16, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? See, that's why I stop and say that I don't trust a faith 
to get me to heaven that won't take me to church. You know, I wouldn't trust a faith that to take me to heaven that will not take me to my neighbor to share Christ with them. I wouldn't trust a faith that, that, that it's not burdened over people's lost condition and sharing the hope of Christ. I wouldn't trust that kind of faith to take me to heaven. Because James said, the half-brother of Christ said, look, can, how can a man have faith but have no deeds? Can this faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Kind of sounds like maybe James and his half-brother Jesus have had this conversation from Matthew 25, doesn't it? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Like my dad used to always say, you can't eat a God bless you. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, James said, is dead faith. So if faith in your life has not motivated you or you've not seen the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself in your life, then your faith is in question. The genuineness of salvation now comes into question. That's why I say in Galatians 5, as we look at the Spirit-controlled life, that we are seeing what a Christian is by the Bible standards. The one who has Christ will display the character of Christ. And one of those qualities of Christ's character is kindness. Kindness reveals a life that is transformed by Christ. Kindness reveals the love of God in our hearts toward our brethren, toward those without, toward those on the outside. Kindness reveals the character of Christ in our life. The kind acts I do do not make me kind. Now listen to what I'm saying. The kind acts I do do not make me kind. It's the other way around. I do kind acts. I am a kind person because I have been made new by Christ. That's why I'm kind. That's why I can treat others with respect. His sheep will do kind acts. Hey, listen, mark this down. If you like taking notes, write this down. The things I do reveal who I am. The things that I do reveal who I am. The Lord says, when I see kindness, I'll know they are sheep. They are my sheep because they're just like me. They are exhibiting my character. Look, when Jesus returns, He will not commend us for the knowledge we have acquired. He will not commend us for our intellect or how much we have learned. He will not commend us for the fame that we have gotten, how popular we may have been or successful in a career we may have been. He will not commend us for the fortune we have attained on this earth. You realize that? God will not commend us for any of that. But He will commend us, according to Matthew 25, for the kindness we show other people. I want to share just a couple of thoughts with you tonight. Here's the first one. Kindness is a reflection of who God is. Kindness is a reflection of who God is. In Luke chapter 6, it says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now let's stop right here and just say this because we're talking about the Spirit-controlled life here and all of these things we just read in Galatians 5 and what we're talking about from Matthew 25. None of these things can happen in our lives in and of themselves. We need the help of Almighty God, do we not? 
In Luke 6, 36, when he says, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful, that is impossible for me and you to do because we are imperfect people. Because we are sinners by nature. So we have to have the help of Almighty God to guide, strengthen, and mature us in these things. We are told to be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. God is kind as part of who He is. Right from the beginning, we see God's kindness in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and and hid from God, realizing they were naked and in shame, it says in Genesis 3 that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, it is a true statement. God could have just wiped the slate clean and says, hey, let's do this all over again. He could have just destroyed them on the spot, cursed them on the spot, but that's not what he did. Even after they hid from him and tried to fix it themselves. Hey, aren't you thankful we don't have to hide? I'll tell you, when you have to go in hiding, that's a terrible feeling. When you have to to live in such a way outwardly to hide what's really going on inwardly or behind closed doors. That's an awful way to live life. You see, God knows it all. And that's a liberating truth. When I realize that God knows everything that takes place in life, I don't have to hide. I can be an honest person of integrity and character because I don't have to hide. I can own it when I mess up. And it'd be okay because I have a loving Heavenly Father who's kind. And we see that from the very beginning. He made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. This was a gracious act of kindness on God's part. And why was it significant? It was significant because this was the first slaughter of an animal. What does that point to from the very beginning in Genesis 3? It points to the eventual Lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of the world. The covering of man's sin. You see, God wants to remove the shame of sin and clothe us with His righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ. And in Genesis, you see next, Cain killed his brother in Genesis chapter 4. He was banished from the land as a wanderer. But God showed His kindness to Cain when He put a mark on Cain that said that no one could find him and kill him. In Genesis chapter 4. As you read from Genesis to Revelation in your Bible, you see the kindness of God flow throughout Scripture, particularly toward His people in Israel. Isaiah 54 says, In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion for you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You see, our response to the poor, to the despised, the afflicted, the sick, and those in need is a reflection of the character of Christ. It makes us truly like Him. This is how we show our love to God, our Heavenly Father. In response to the love He has shown to us, we love people. And we love them through our acts of kindness. 1 John 4.20 says, For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. The next verse continues. You see, kindness is God's love in action. It reflects who God is. The second thought about kindness is this. Not only is it a reflection of God, but kindness is unnatural and must be developed. Kindness is something that doesn't come naturally. Now, some of us have different personalities, and it may, in a way, it may be more comfortable for us, for some who have more outgoing personalities, maybe bubbly personalities, to be, to be a kind individual. But kindness is unnatural and has to be developed. Uh, We don't come out of the womb being kind. Isn't that just true? We don't. 
Right now we're working with Eli on this. He growls at, at Tyler. <laughs> you know, when Tyler takes something or he's trying to take something, Tyler's messing with him. You know, we don't, we're just, we got to train kindness. It's something that's got to be developed. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And by the way, this is an imperative statement. It's not a, 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 uh, a choice. It's something that we have, are commanded to do. We need to be obedient to this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. Now, I'm going to stop here and ask this question because we're going to get to this in a minute. But let's just ask it for the sake of, of us thinking about it. If God forgave you the way you forgive other people, what would that look like? Moving on. We need to be reminded because we are not born to be naturally kind-hearted, but we can grow to become a kind individual through the help of Christ. Kindness needs to be taught, caught, and practiced. Sociologist Robert Withrow did a study of young volunteers who are involved in serving their community. He found out that performing acts of caring is more learned than in innate ability. We need to learn it. We need to practice it. We need to model it for our children. There's this true story about a family that always prayed at the meal saying, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let this food be a blessing to us. One day, the smallest boy in the family looked up at his dad and he said, Dad, every evening we ask Jesus to come and to be our guest, but he never comes. His father said, We can only wait for him to appear. The little boy thought for a moment and said, Well, then if we expect him to come, listen to this. And have dinner with us. Why don't we set a place for him at the table? Wanting to make the little boy happy, his mother set out an extra, extra silverware, a plate, and a cup at, at the end of the table. Not long after the place was set, they heard a knock at the door. When the doors opened, they saw a poor, hungry man. The little boy looked at his father and said, Look, Jesus couldn't come, but he sent this poor man in his place. They invited him in. They enjoyed the meal together. No doubt these parents, I believe, are exactly right that this was a divine moment provided by God. They shared about Jesus, what He just did, and what He had done in their family. The poor, this poor homeless man accepted Christ into his heart and his life. Many years ago, my dad was on the way home from Smithfield, North Carolina. We were driving back and forth. We were living in Rocky Mount at the time. It's about a 45-minute drive, and dad was driving, and he sees a a little Honda, if I remember correctly, a Honda was on the side of the road and it was on fire. So dad pulls over to help and there's a young couple that was traveling. And just who my dad was, this young couple came home with my dad that night. <laughs> he gave them a place to stay. And they, were, they weren't married. I think they were together in a relationship. They weren't married. And, you know, Dad says, the way I do things in my house, my convictions, you're going to sleep here and she's going to sleep there. <laughs> you know, and, and laid the law down for them, so to speak. But, get, but Dad shared Christ with them. He shared Jesus with that couple. And they gave their life to Jesus that night. Several weeks later, Dad would receive a card in the mail from one of their parents. I can't remember which who, which one. And it was at a time that come at just the perfect, the right time that my mom and dad needed some financial help and she put a check in that card to be a blessing to my parents. You see, when we display the kindness of Jesus, it lends us to the opportunity to reach people with the gospel. 
And God rewards that behavior. God puts His stamp of approval on that behavior. Jesus said, whatever you do, for the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did it for me, Matthew 25 tells us. He uses the phrase, the least of these, to describe them. What does that mean? They were the ones generally regarded as insignificant and useless. They are the neglected, the ignored ones in society. They're the ones that can't contribute to the economy necessarily. They don't have any value. In fact, there may be some view them as more of a burden to society. They can't give. They can only take because, because they're in need. This is who Jesus is talking about. Mother Teresa was asked this question, how many times she meets the Lord in a day? Her answer was, I meet Jesus once in my morning devotions and then for the rest of the day in the faces of the needy people I serve. I don't know a whole lot about Mother Teresa um, other than that she was a great humanitarian, but I'll tell you what, what a statement. What a statement. She sees Jesus in the face of the poor dying and sick and the ministers, admit that she ministers to in the streets. Look, it's not uncommon for me as a pastor here at the church to have strangers walk up to the church. There's been times I've been, uh, I've found out in an alarming way that a door was left unlocked. <laughs> People walking in, needing help, asking for things that have fallen on hard times. I get phone calls all the time. People need someone to care. They need someone to be kind. Kindness needs to be developed. It's unnatural. I'm still learning this. I'm still learning how to develop kindness. It's not always helping people with no strings attached, is it? It's not always easy to be kind without expecting anything in return. It takes a spirit of generosity. It takes God to work that in you. You see, our culture tells us to look out for ourselves and our family. Take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. Make yourself happy. That's what our, our culture teaches us. The economic, economic situation that we are in is difficult for many. Believe me, I know. I mean, we're, by today's standards, a large family. It's tough. Inflation's terrible. We feel the weight of that just like you do. It's easy to become selfish only looking out for me. How many understand and know tonight that when you get to that place where you're only looking out for me, that's a, that's a rough spot to be in. That's a miserable place to be. Man, I've had to repent of that before. And I, Lord, I don't want to go to that place of only looking out for me. Are we being influenced more by our society and culture than by Christ? And his love, what he did for us on the cross. My kinder person than I was before Christ. Because of Christ. What he's done, am I kinder? Do I see this evidence in my life? Elizabeth Elliot wrote a beautiful prayer in a lamp, of, uh, a lamp for my feet. She said, Lord, break the chains that hold me to myself. Free me to be your happy slave. That is to be the happy foot washer of anyone today who needs his feet washed his supper cooked, his faults overlooked, his work commended, his failure forgiven, his grease consoled, or his button sewed on. Let me not imagine that my love for you is very great if I am unwilling to do for a human being something very small. 
Wow. Kindness is unnatural, must be developed. Kindness is a reflection of who God is. But number three tonight, kindness is imperative and must be lived. While the sheep were commended for the kind acts they did in our text in Matthew 25, the goats were reprimanded for the kind acts they failed to do. You see, Jesus, it's obvious as He spoke in Matthew 25, He expects kind acts from those who truly believe in Him. He expects His followers to be kind. It's the natural overflow of new life in Christ. It shows who you are in Jesus. He expected us to be keenly aware of the needs of people and respond accordingly. We're not to be passive, careless, and ignorant of such needs like the goats. Instead, we are called to be proactive, attentive, and practical in meeting needs. No, stop right here and let's, let's, let's address this. Some say, well, well Pastor, we, we can't meet every need. I would say this, that's true. There are so many needs, it's impossible for us to meet needs. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can do something. Somebody say amen. You know, as you come across people in your life, say, well, I can't meet every need that person has. But you can do something. If it's stop, Brother Michael sent me a text telling me how he had the opportunity to pray for a gentleman at a local game store here in Lincoln. Hey, if it's to stop and put your arm around somebody and just pray for them on the spot because they're having a difficult time, that's something you can do for them. Hey, remember from the very beginning of the message, no, no act of kindness, however small, boy, they're so valuable no matter how small they are. It never goes un- wasted or, 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 or is never useless. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Look, we can be led of the Holy Spirit. We can seek God in that moment say, Lord, what would you have me to do right now, right here? What would you need me to do? What would you have me to do? We must not be passive and careless and just dismiss everyone who has a need. Look, I know there are people out here who take advantage of, of, of us and, and others. I know there are. But you do what God leads you to do because you're going to stand before God and give an answer for you. You're not going to stand before God and give an answer for them. You do what God leads you to do. And watch how God rewards you. Watch how God puts His stamp of approval on your act of kindness. We're called to be proactive, attentive, and practical in meeting people's needs. Look, it's it's easy... We prayed here at the altar tonight. It's something I confess to the Lord. Lord, forgive me for being so busy. For being so busy. You know something I just want to know. God's really dealing with my heart about you here more about this Sunday because we're leading into a passage on prayer in 1 Thessalonians. I just want every day to have a, a still, intentional moment of intimate communion with God in conversation. And God's dealing with me about this. Rather than having these quick conversations throughout the day, just here and there, which, look, I thank the Lord, He hears those. But there's nothing like that still, quiet moment when you get before God and you really intercede on behalf of other people. In our modern lifestyle, it's easy to just run around this, in this busy lifestyle and not notice who we pass by. Often we ignore God, what He wants us to do. 
But God sees the people we run by that we fail to notice is important. So maybe tonight, let's ask God that, Lord, help us be attentive to the needs of other people. Help us to be kind in every relationship in our life. See, God has a divine purpose. And we meet the purpose He has left us here for. And that is sharing the love of Christ. Frederick William Robertson, who passed away in 1853, he said, One act of kindness will teach us more of the love of God than a thousand sermons. But don't, don't miss God's divine moments that happen in your life that He puts in your path to enable you and equip you and help you to be kind to someone else. Four practical ways to be kind. It's really quick. I'm not going to expand on these. Be kind through how you serve. Always remember that actions speak louder than words. The Apostle John reminded believers not to love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can be kind through how we serve. Secondly, be kind through what you say. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and talking about the virtuous woman. She opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue on her tongue is the law of kindness. Law of kindness. Speaking kindly can be difficult, but it can be done for the man or woman who desires to honor God. Be mindful of what you say to other people. Be intentional to focus your heart on speaking life to those who hear you. We can be kind through serving others. The things we say speak life. Number three, we can be kind by being humble. By being humble. In Romans 12.10, it says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference one to the other. In Philippians 2, it tells us to esteem others as more important than ourselves. We can be kind through being humble. You want to stand out on this culture that is a me-first, self-centered, driven culture, then you learn to put others ahead of yourself. You give someone else that place in line. You let someone else step in front of you in the long line at Walmart. They may hug you and kiss you if you do that. Ain't that right, Brother Kent? <laughs> Put others ahead of yourself. As we walk in humility, God will use our humility to speak to the, speak to the hearts of other people. Fourth practical way we can be kind is this. So we can forgive other people. We can forgive other people. We serve others, we speak life, we be humble, we be gracious, and forgive other people. He tells us to be kind one to another, tenderhearted. What does it say? Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So back to the question I asked earlier, if God forgives you the way you forgive others, what's that look like? What does that look like? We could also ask the question this way. If God were to get angry with you as quickly as you get angry with others, what does that look like? 
Hey, aren't you thankful that the Lord is slow to anger? Aren't you thankful He is patient toward us? May God help us to be patient with one another, with our families, even with the stranger that cuts us off in traffic. May God help us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to exhibit kindness in every area of our life. And I'm telling you, as y'all get a hold of these things, I've seen this happen in my own life, as we grow in these things, and we get a hold of what he's talking about in Galatians 5, these fruit of the Spirit, there's going to be moments you stop, and look, you may look like a fool to people, but you may stop out in public, and you're kind of looking around like, what in the world just happened? That's not the way I, that's not the way I normally react. But you see God come through for you in a big way. And you see the growth happen in your life. You see God helping you exhibit kindness and patience, gentleness, self-control, all these things we're talking about. You'll see these things come about in your life, and you'll give God praise for that. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive somebody else. May God help us to serve, to speak life, to be humble, and to be gracious. Four practical ways to be kind. Let's stand together and pray tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Randy, if he will, to close us in prayer.